0: Tyranny was broken by the sins of the father and his shepherd's finally ceased to roam seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home all eyes now turn to his heir and son who forged their home with his power will he be strong enough to lead them in this their darkest hour Welcome back to The Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow and subscribe to help me keep bringing the story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 22 The Night Wore On I held Casey as close as I could for as long as it took me to fall asleep, my face buried in her dark locks of hair. I knew I had to get up at some point to spend some time in the chair. I would have to be at my best to help stop what was happening in the worlds. The thought made it very hard to stay asleep. I woke up there for a short time and lay there for a bit, eyes open, thinking about the strange events that led me to this point. First, there was that attack on Kaladin, and the ensuing explosion in the market. They chased after the limo, drawing me from away from the market so that someone could sneak in and detonate a bomb. That was a really calculated move and a meaningful one despite the horrifying results. Whoever it was wanted me to find that type in and believe it had been Jack. Could it have been Silas? I really don't know much about him or his sister and they could be trying to get my attention now to lead me away from thinking of them as suspects. But it seemed so much like Jack. We had been enemies from day one and his callous nature was well known to me he could easily have killed those people just to show me that he could, and show them that I couldn't protect them. It was the method that spoke to me. I brought Julia back from the dead to help me find Jack, and I barely had a time to catch my breath before the crisis on Kamong. Yeah, that was a mess. Silas spoke of the danger that the threat of the wraiths represented, but I had never fought them personally. Now, with Valkyr running around, Silas's warning had really struck home. Could it be that these same beings were the ones Casey encountered? If so, maybe that meant that there's some kind of a lair somewhere, some place we could find and destroy them once and for all. It was a very delicious idea, and maybe it was just my sleep-deprived brain trying to comfort me. It sounded way too easy in my head. Casey stirred in her sleep, breathing very fast. I could see her right hand convulsing, and her eyes were moving like they were trapped behind her eyelids. I reached over and curled my hand over hers. I felt her flinch with a touch, but her breathing slowed down and her hand went slack. She was just as exhausted as I was. I had no idea how many crests she killed in Kamog, but she drove them back with a vengeance. We were a good team. All I needed to do now was to figure out how to be a better husband. The, ur- the answer lurked in the back of my mind. Just give it up. Take your family. And stay the hell out of the world-saving business before it's too late. Lying here with Casey, I couldn't find many reasons to disagree. Why was I risking all of us? When would we get the chance to live the life that I pledged to make possible? Father failed and I took up the slack. Wasn't that what a son was supposed to... Ah. My eyes popped open and I found myself wondering what the hell I was saying. I shook my head, mentally wishing that all these stray thoughts would shake right out of it. I carefully rose from the bed, trying not to wake my wife. I crept over to the chair near the door where I usually dropped my stuff and fell around in the darkness for my fur coat, which I usually used for a robe. Ah, Flynn probably still had it. I settled for a pair of dark jeans and a worn white shirt destined to be laundered sometime in the future. Maybe. It was maybe a couple hours before dawn. I could tell the minute, second, etc. if I wanted to reach out, but I preferred the human method of guessing from the light and my own body's clock. I made my way down the stairs and tiptoed through the hall to the hearth. I had put a lock on the doors before going to bed, which was only a gesture really, considering how easily Flynn could probably break them open with the power he was in possession of. We had posted Noel outside his room to keep watch, and my father had volunteered for the second shift. Hopefully, neither of them had fallen asleep. I summoned the lock to my hand, and the doors opened. I stuck the lock in my pocket and entered the hearth. The fires burned strong today, and I could feel them invigorating me as I drew close enough. I breathed a sigh of relief as I confirmed that I was alone. The other chairs sat empty. I sat myself down and laid back in the comfortable confines of my favorite chair. As the power washed over me like waves on the shore, I sighed deeply and felt the drowsiness of my poor sleep overtake me. Well, at least I'm right about some things. I thought I could find you here. I opened one reluctant eye to see Henry standing over me. He had a manic look in his eyes and had his working gear on. The firelight gleamed off several dozen tools and parts stuck into various pockets on an apron pretending to be a smock or vice versa. I should have known he wouldn't let this problem with the battalions go. World's all blown up yet? Not according to my eyes. They could be malfunctioning too, right? I sighed and pushed myself back into the chair. I took my pipe out of the pocket of my shirt where it had just appeared and caused it to flare up. I let it a small puff of smoke out and motioned for Henry to sit down. Don't take it so hard, my friend. I think we've all been taken unawares, haven't we? In a lot of ways, he said, sitting down with a jingling of tools. It bothers me that you two caught up on my mistake, Nick. What the hell happened to you, anyway? Everyone will know tomorrow. What happens changes things a bit. Frankly, it's the only reason that I've stopped to sleep and catch my breath. Good news, then. We could use that. Oh, my. Is that why you came to find me? You're lucky you caught me here. If you had got Casey up, I think she would have seriously had to test her healing powers on multiple bullet wounds. True enough. Look, I came to find you because I think I know what happened with the medallions. I blinked. That was quick. Henry shrugged. Do you want to go downstairs then? No, it's a mess down there right now. I took apart her medallions to try and figure out what happened, so there's literally pieces everywhere. After about two hours looking all over, it dawned me that there isn't anything wrong with them. <clears> hmm <throat> really? Hear me out. Can I see yours? Sure. I put down my pipe and handed him my medallion. I didn't hesitate, even though I knew Silas had altered it. I had a feeling that it wouldn't work until the proper moment, perhaps when we were on Tarouge itself. There was no need to piss off Henry any further. He turned the medallion over in his hand, suspecting it. Now, you know that my power allows me to make things like this possible. Whatever I'm making, it helps carry me the rest of the way. Beyond the theoretical ideas I have to the working reality, my power facilitates my theories, helps me design an object to suit those needs. In the case of these medallions, I theorized that we had to be able to reach out to be everywhere at once in order to find the person that you wanted to speak to. We wanted them to make it easier for your representatives to communicate with you, and for us to be able to do the same. That was the idea, and my powers helped to make a device that could do that. But... What I didn't imagine was what would happen if one of us were using our powers while we were trying to communicate. And that's the problem. We're using our powers all the time. As you know, the distortion that we cause in the worlds by using our powers is merely an amplification of the effect that happens despite our restraint. It's in our very nature. We're using our powers all the time, even if we don't mean to. And what's the primary thing we're able to do? Uh, go between worlds. That's right. Oh wow. Oh holy crap. So you're saying that when we reach out to try and communicate with someone, we reach out to everywhere at once? We're putting ourselves out there. And we may not be aware of just what we're reaching by doing so. Although I think we can now guess that one of those places may be wherever our enemies currently reside. Can you fix them so that doesn't happen? Possibly. But I'll probably just have to start again, make something else. Just as Henry finished his sentence, the medallion seemed to leap out of his hands and landed on the hearthstones. Aw, oh, I hated when I got things wrong. Henry covered his mouth, stifling a yell. We were both on our feet now. Henry was scrambling to pull something out of his pockets. I knew what he was about to do. Oh crap, I've seen this before, he yelled. What the hell? I said, hope he didn't see the lack of surprise in my face. The medallion rattled for a moment on the floor, and then stopped. As we watched with a slight mixture of horror and fascination, small black tendrils popped out all around the edges of the device. They stretched, grew thicker, and then planted themselves, ends down. With a tiny push, the tendrils lifted the medallion up like legs. Why was it doing this now? Henry pulled a small pistol from his pocket and aimed at the medallion. Hold it, Henry. Keep it in your sights, but don't fire unless I say so. An odd balloon-like formation on a thicker stalk squeezed out from somewhere on the upper-facing side, and an outer layer peeled away from it top-down to reveal a shiny purple eye. It swiveled around for a moment and settled on me. With a dull tapping of the stubby appendages, it began scuttling towards my chair. Ah, uh, can I shoot it now? I shook my head. I had a pretty good idea of what this was, so I squatted down and extended my hand. Aw, oh, don't let it touch you. Henry was going to dart forward, but I held up my hand to him to stay where he was. He stopped, looked at me with an expression of bewilderment. The little beast in the medallion kept a wary eye on Henry as it climbed into my palm. I slowly lifted it up, watching it carefully. It watched me as well. This was one of those things I wanted to talk about tomorrow. I had a very different experience when I tried to contact Casey when we were in trouble in that cave. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay, so a creepy spider thing spawns from one of my medallions and you get all protective of it. And you're telling me that's okay? That happened to Casey's medallion too, and I melted the damn thing. This doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. It appeared that Silas had kept his word. he put something in the medallion while we were communicating. If it happened to Casey too, maybe he tried reaching her first. I didn't like the idea of them being able to reach Hearth so easily, and silently damned myself for not being more careful. Your lack of trust makes me sad, Henry. I summoned an iron box in my other hand, lid open and tossed the medallion inside. I quickly shut it. I could hear the thing tapping around and I held the lid down. I drew from the energies I was absorbing from the chair, remembering something I had seen father do in Manon's memories. And I created a cage of energy around the box. I pushed a little more power into it, making it more permanent. The outline of the cage pulsed in dull green light across the surface of the box. I put it down beside my chair. Behave. Henry bent down and touched the box with his finger. There was a frenzied tapping sound from within and the cage grew slightly brighter, only growing darker as the movement within stopped. Henry stood up. That's a nice trick. I reckon it is where it came from though, and here I thought you weren't trying to borrow from Father's repertoire. No sense condemning the ideas for the sins of its creator, I said, giving the box a slight nudge with my foot. I take it you know why it's here. Yeah I do. That should hold it until we talk in a few hours, and then i will have some more answers for everyone." I sat back in my chair and turned back to Henry. He hadn't moved. What else, Henry? Henry looked at me, his eyes narrowed. You know, I think it's time you recognize that we are not your soldiers, Mick. We're your friends, your people. You can keep as many secrets as you can. Keep us in the dark while you pretend you can handle all of this on your own. The truth is you keep on like you have. You'll find yourself alone, in a bad place. Everybody else can see it coming but you. I nodded and picked up my pipe. Are we done here, Henry? Henry shook his head and walked out, shutting the doors behind him. I was happy to be rid of him. I sat there smoking and gathering my wits for the battle that was ahead of us. And all the battles yet to come. The visions I had been shown when I was linked to my friends exposed one possibility that made me very uneasy. They were hiding something. And whatever they may say to me now to try to reassure me of their loyalty was probably only to distract me from whatever purpose they had i knew my wife's mind and what she was afraid of but henry de Coombe could very well be keeping me in the dark perhaps literally so i'd need to test my theory before too long i summoned an old sack from under the bed in our quarters above and stuck the iron box inside i tucked it to the side of the chair it would keep for now at least i gazed into the flames of the roaring fire Feeling the surging of the souls of all the worlds as they grew and prospered. Whatever I could say about the kind of God Father had been, he had been clever. Each soul in the worlds was constantly changing, developing as it absorbed new experiences. With each moment, that soul was contributing energy to the entire system of worlds, and to me. Once we freed Silas's agent, and that agent led us to Jack and Penny, I would devote a good amount of energies to burning every trace of their existence from the worlds. These are my worlds, I said, sitting there in the dark, and I'll be damned if some exiles are going to try and take them away. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Keep sharing and subscribing to help me keep bringing the story to you. Come back next week for the next episode of Lost Tribe, Darkest Tower.